All right, welcome back to the big program. Just after 9 o'clock in Edmonton, 9.05 to be precise, as we welcome in an, an old friend, Boris Rabalka from Camrose. And uh, Boris, good morning. Welcome to Sports 1440. Uh, big weekend for you. It was, and you are correct. A uh, good friend. Uh, oh. There's good people, and there's great people like yourself. Oh. Uh, so it's uh, it's always a, a pleasure to be able to touch base with with you. And uh, hey, you gave me a break because uh, you probably <laughs> noticed there's a lot of snow out there, so I'm shoveling right now. And <laughs> a boy, Bo. Yeah. So we go back for our listeners, Boris and I. We played junior against each other almost 40 years ago. That's how long it is, eh, Bo? It's a long oh. time ago, and uh, th- those days were great, and uh, the memories are great, and that arena that we got to play in was, boy, that was a historic arena, put it that way. Yeah, so, Bo, you were in Humboldt. I was playing in Malville. This is in the SJHL, and you guys had some rock-solid teams. I mean, I remember, like, going into Humboldt, and uh, we had a couple of little, quick little tilts, and uh, Kelly Chase was there. Big, remember Big Al Novakowski? Oh. oh, Big Al, yeah. Like I said, it's so funny. And then you think of the Bergens and uh, Matt yeah. Pacheks and go on and on. Some of the great players. It's amazing uh, way back when. And then uh, the, the tough guys, the Sonny Sotkeys of the world and Palenchuks of the world. Uh, you and I both know times have changed in uh, how the game is played, but uh, those are pretty good memories. Well, Boris uh, Rabalka with us on Sports 1440. When I got here, Boris, in 98, I uh, came up from Calgary and he started at ITV. You were already in Camrose and one of the, I was just doing a radio show for in Camrose with Scotty Mitchell this morning and he asked me about you and I said, well, you, between yourself and Kevin Gurr and guys in cameras, they were you guys were one of the first people that I met and welcomed me so much to Edmonton and area. So when you first got to cameras in the '90s and started to build the the Kodiak's program, um, what was that like for you? I guess you know it, it was amazing. The the board and you mentioned uh, Kevin Gurr, Kevin Pratt, uh, Perry Foss, and Greg Wood. Some of the people that were on the board. Uh, they had open arms. Uh, they turned around. They said, you know what? Uh, we want to build, yes, a, a hockey power, but more importantly, we want to build an organization that uh, makes these young boys that come in, teach them life skills, uh, morals, ethics, values, and prepare them for life ahead. And that was a perfect fit for me. When I heard that, I said, you know what? I think this can be a very good relationship because it's the journey along the way, as you know, Kevin, that's yeah. going to win those championships. And it was the teaching part. So, um, that's how it all began, and, uh, and it's been a great journey. So fast forward 25-plus years to this last Saturday night, and the Kodiaks do the Boris Rabalka Appreciation Night. Uh, you must have had a big lump in your throat uh, for the ceremony and all night. Well, it was. Uh, it was amazing to see the, the people attended, and uh, not only the players, like uh, Jason Kenyon, the uh, first you know, captain that won the national championship, flew in from New York. Uh, it's just a quick one that comes to mind. But the billets, the parents from 1997, players that were there for, from year one, the players that were there in 2003, 10, 12, I can go on and on. And that's probably what uh, caught me off guard most was how many people showed up, uh, the billets and parents, as I mentioned, sponsors and it was, and at the end of the day, uh, as I thank my wife and daughter, boy, without them, uh, yeah. they wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do this without their support. Mm-hmm. Boris Rubalka, longtime coach, GM of the Camrose Kodiaks, our guest on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, you had so many players, hundreds of them, uh, pass through Camrose during your time, uh, Boris, and a lot of them went on to to big, big things. What was it like to kind of? 
I guess mentor the guys like you know Joey Colburn and and Mason Raymond and and, and the higher profile players that went on to the NHL like that. You know what? Uh, it was amazing. And uh, somebody asked me uh, even in my speech on Saturday. Uh, I literally stayed away from mentioning the players because you know me very well. Mm-hmm. It was never about me, and it was always about the player. It was always about the community. And every player that came through, who from training camps to spring camps to main camps, I wanted the best for them. I wanted to see them try to play junior. As you know, you can only have so many guys on junior, but there was those certain special players, as you mentioned, Joe Colburn, Mason Raymonds. I, when I coached Team Canada West, you had the, the Kyle Terraces of the world, Nick Holdens, and I can go on and on with all the players that have come through, the, the Richard Petio, who, yeah. who played in Edmonton. And, you know, those players, it is true, they have that uh, special knack. Uh, they have that little twitch in their eye. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Edmonton gets to see the best player in the world. Uh, you know, yes, he was born with a God-given talent, but it takes that extra work. And those those players who can make it to the next level just understand the amount of work and dedication it takes to get there. And that was probably the special part, seeing them want it so badly. Uh, you know, Dan Bertram called yeah. me, couldn't make it. And, and there's another one who, you know, won World Junior A or World Junior Championships when Sutter was his coach. And you can go on and on of a lot of the players who uh, I was blessed that uh, they allowed me to coach them and teach them over the years. What about some of the, the you know, the, the teams that were, you know, you had the, the national championship teams. Uh, just your thoughts on, on, that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, when you're a coach, it's obviously a big feather in your cap with the players to accomplish it and achieve, you know, because that's the goal. Everyone wants to win a title like that. Everybody does, and you're right. And you go back to you know 2001. Uh, nobody expected it uh, except those uh, those uh, athletes and the staff in that dressing room. Uh, they believed they could do it. And again, you go through and you've been around, and you're great in what you do, and you know it. You've been around those winning teams, and you know what it takes. And you see you see the the athletes. And in 2001, it was about work ethic and and buying into the systems. And uh, they joked about that on Saturday, some of those players. They said, you know, at first we're going, why is he so demanding? Why does he want us to do this? And then the light bulb went off. They're like, now when they're older, they're married, they go, (laughs) now now we understand why. And, you know, all those years, I was fortunate even the Canada Games, you know, uh, coaching Devin Dubnik and we know his career how it went and you know that was a pleasure to be able to have him in the Canada Games and you know and we played against Sidney Crosby in the Canada Games and all those little things that you go back now and go wow it's it's been a pretty good career and getting to go over to the to, to Russia five years ago probably mm-hmm. could be the last team that ever went over there in the in the World Club Championships in Sochi and, and playing against the the talent that was there and uh you know as i mentioned already you know you have the the kyle terrace and the joe colburns yeah. from the team canada west so it was uh it was a lot of great memories and uh but it was time to move on and uh see the new era begin so this new era let our listeners know kind of know after so many years being heavily involved with the kodiaks kind of what are you getting into and doing now you know uh, i was blessed and fortunate enough i had a phone call uh, a month ago or so and I've kind of tried to keep it quiet, and uh, I had a, a call from the, the national program uh, with Canada here, uh, the national para team uh, with Hockey Canada, and they said, you know what, think about it. We'd like to fly you out east to Toronto. I got to meet meet head coach Russ and uh, the other assistant coaches and their staff, and I was able to go on the ice with the athletes. And, and Kevin, all I've got to say is, wow, uh, 
I've been, like I said, fortunate, blessed to doing this for 30 years, uh, as they call it, with stand-up hockey. When I saw these athletes, these para-athletes, the world's best, and what they do and what they've gone through, their skill level and their heart and dedication and discipline, uh, how couldn't you want to win a gold medal for them and uh, try to do something? And I, uh, ironically, when I was out in Toronto and my wife phoned me and she goes, what do you think? And I said, uh, you know what, if they want me part of this, um, we'll go through a few more events. And if they want me, uh, I'm in and I'll be more than happy to be an assistant coach to, to help them and give them another set of eyes. But I thought of uh, the Cook family, yeah. Brady Cook, who I had the uh, honor of coaching. And I thought of Matt when I was sitting in the hotel room in Toronto and I said, you know what, uh, as everyone knows, or if they don't know, sadly, Matt passed away due to cancer and he uh, he was part of the para team for for Canada uh, when he passed away and I remember telling my wife uh, sitting in Toronto a few weeks back said I want to win a gold for Matt and his family so there's the ultimate goal um, uh, I'm going to probably go out to North Dakota in a few weeks here and then back to Calgary and uh, then it's up to the up to the staff my joke was hey no strings attached if you like a Boris great I think Boris is too uh, too dedicated and, and the guy wants to see success and ain't no hard feelings. But it was, uh, I've done a lot of things, Kevin, and uh, boy, uh, you probably can tell in my voice when yeah. I came home, my wife said, I have not seen that spark in you, honey, for, for years. She oh. goes, they're in trouble. And I said, well, <laughs> that could be a positive. Oh, that's just solid. Uh, Boris, I... I Every time we talk, you know, you just you're you inspire the the kids that that played. Uh, you inspire me all the time because I just you know I, I get jealous of all the the great teams that you had and the coaching uh, ability that you had to bring these players together and get them to you know another level, whether it be uh, at university or even minor pro or pro or even you know a police officer in town or whatever it is whatever those kids ended up to be i mean you're a big part of the reason why those kids got to where they are so uh thanks for doing this big guy really appreciate we got it we haven't seen each other for too long we got to get together for a beer one of these days but thanks for coming on really appreciate it bo it's always a pleasure, and I thank you. Take care. All right, that's uh, Boris Rebalka, long time. Camrose, Kodiak, coach, GM, national champion. They had uh, Boris Rebalka appreciation night Saturday night in Camrose, and very, very, very well-deserved. Uh, when we come back, Arash Madani, Rogers Sportsnet, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. We'll talk a little Alfonso Davies. We'll talk some Toronto Blue Jays. Lots to talk with Arash. Uh, that's coming up right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Time now for our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Rooter Plumbing. Getting snakes deep and giving 110% day in and day out for all your plumbing needs. Go to mrrooter.ca. Love the new liners for Mr. Rooter Duke. As we welcome in from Rogers Sportsnet, Arash Madani. Back to the big program. Good morning, Arash. Thanks for hopping on again. Always good to be with you, Kevin. Well, we got so much to talk about. I don't know, maybe we'll start with soccer and Alfonso Davies. Uh, some news going on with, uh, I guess, a verbal agreement to join Real Madrid for Madrid for uh, the Edmonton soccer star. What uh, What do you know about this verbal agreement uh, moving forward here, Arash? Uh, very little do I know about it, Kevin. But it it makes sense because. You know, it feels like Alfonso has been around for a while, but his career is, in a lot of ways, just getting started. You know, he's he's got the decorated achievements already, has lifted a Champions League trophy, has been to a World Cup, scored Canada's first ever goal at a Men's World Cup. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in our country's history. And this, you know, when you talk about the big clubs in the world, Manchester United, Liverpool, Real Madrid. I mean, those those are the benchmarks. And now Alfonso is reportedly headed there. It just makes a ton of sense in the trajectory of a career that is taking yet another major step forward. Mm-hmm. Do, I guess we kind of forget, Arash, that he's only 23 years old. That's it. And then this is what's become so interesting about, you know, young players exploding onto the scene. You know, you think in NBA, you know, in the basketball, now you are a year removed from high school. You're in the league. A lot of players, you you look around, you're like, man, they they feel like they've been part of the furniture for quite a while. And then you look at their age, you're like, oh, man. You know, I was having this conversation just yesterday about Denis Shapovalov, Mm -hmm. the Canadian tennis player. In 2017, he knocked off Rafa Nadal in Montreal. One of the great moments. That's almost seven years ago because it happened in the summer. And then you think about it, you're like, man, Chapo's 24. Uh, so it's, it's amazing to see so many young Canadian athletes doing so well. And then you look at their age, you're like, man, they got another 10 or 15 years to go. <laughs> you're so right, Arash. I mean, I remember doing stories with uh, Alfonso here when I was working in TV. And then, you know, he left for Vancouver at a fairly young age, 14, 15 years old. And then, you know, when he was with the Whitecaps, it just seemed like, you know, he was there for a long time, but he really wasn't there a long time. But it's just been a whirlwind uh, tour, whirlwind experience for a guy that is one of the premier players in the world. Yeah, one of the premier players in the world and the biggest sport in the world. And that, that's what's so interesting now, Kevin, just about where Canadian athletes are. We have one of the greatest sprinters on the planet. Andre de Grasse this summer may end up becoming the fastest man on earth. You know, you think about the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's the second biggest league in the world after the English Premier League. Shea Gilgis Alexander from Hamilton in his mid-20s is absolutely in the MVP conversation. So it's not just that... Alfonso is going to Real Madrid or mm-hmm. potentially going to Real Madrid. It's that in so many of the signature marquee global sports, we have Canadians not just participating, but excelling. And let's just say it. Let's be un-Canadian. Let's mm-hmm. beat our chest for a second, Kevin. I They're downright dominating I was, their, their craft and, and what they do. I was just going to say that, Arash, and I mean, it's that Canadiana in all of us, uh, and we don't do it enough. We have so many great athletes globally, worldwide, and we don't, I guess, promote them in the sense that we're just as good or better than everyone else. I'll tell you this. We are about to have an Olympics this summer in Paris, and there is a 17-year-old young woman named Summer McIntosh who is about to explode under the global scene. Like somebody asked me what the comp for Summer McIntosh could be. No pressure, kid. I said Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. Like she's already doing things and has accomplished things at the age of 17 that no Canadian has done in their career. And she hasn't even been to an Olympic Games yet, Kevin. Yeah. Just wait for Paris. Wait for what's coming because there's, there's a tidal wave on the horizon. So on that topic, Arash, would you see this as one of the best o- possible Olympic Games for our country? 
No, no, and that's that's what's interesting. I think that I guess it depends on what you categorize as best. So is it the number of medals? It probably won't be. Number of golds? Now we're talking a little bit. Mm-hmm. But also the sports that really matter. And this is this is a polarizing topic because to me every Olympic medal counts the same. And this is why I dislike NHLers being in the Winter Olympics. Because every four years, the moguls racer and the biathlete and the cross-country skier, like that, that's their only moment to really be showcased. And they kind of get lost in the shuffle because Canada's playing Latvia and we're worried about who our fourth-line winger is going to be. Yeah. But this summer in our marquee sports at an Olympics – Track and field, swimming, and I dare say basketball now, because both our men's and women's teams have qualified for the Olympics. There's a real chance we're in the marquee sports. Canada will do better than they ever have before. Mm -hmm. I don't think overall we're going to have as good a medal count as we've had in Olympics past. But, you know, you think about the Tokyo Olympics the last time around, when the women's soccer team won gold, that gold just hit different. It felt different than the others. And I think that the there's a chance, you and I did a hit from Asia when I was over in the Philippines during the World Cup, there's a chance on that final Sunday of the Olympics that the men's basketball, the men's national team could be playing for a gold medal against the USA. And if that's the case, just how remarkable would that be? You you hit the nail on the head, and let's call a spade a shovel, uh, Arash. Like all eyeballs will be on that basketball court. They'll be in the pool with what the events at Summer Macintosh will be in, and they'll be on the track with uh, Andre Dugras. And that's just the way it is. That's the, the way, way it is. is. Yeah. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit to Major League Baseball, uh, Arash. And first time that we'll see uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in spring training today is the. Uh, uh, Blue Jays take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, kind of looks a little leaner. I'm just kind of watching them throw sunflower seeds at Hazel May on the weekend and things like that. But uh, what do you make about uh, Vlad G coming into this season? I, I think that Guerrero has put maybe the biggest emphasis into his body, into his preparation, into himself this winter than ever before in his career. And if we're being honest, last year was a step back for somebody who felt like he was going to be on a trajectory. And here's another one, Kevin. Another guy who we felt like has been around for a long time. He kind of has broken into the big leagues in 2019. But Guerrero, don't forget, is free agent eligible after next year. Mm-hmm. Like, things have happened quickly. And so, for Vlad, it's not just about the Blue Jays and what kind of production he can give the ball club this year. He is now auditioning. For 29 other teams, he is now in a put-up-or-shut-up era of his young career where he's been at the top of the American League and done all the things he's done at the, at the Home Run Derby, but now is the, the chance, the opportunity to turn what could be a $300 million contract into a four or five hundred million dollar contract. Mm, yeah, Arash Madani with us on Sports fourteen forty. What did you make of the Justin Turner signing for the Jays, Arash? I, I'm a I'm a believer, Kevin, that you need adults in a locker room, <laughs> and there are a lot of kids in that locker room who are growing up, 
But I think back to what the influence that Marcus Simeon had on Bo Bichette. Simeon played all 162 games back in that 2021 season. Every day he went out and took ground balls. And he brought Bo along with him. And that, and that left a real imprint on Bichette. A guy like Turner, who has been around, been around the championship Dodgers, has a at least experience. I can't see him. Sorry, Kevin, a truck's driving by. <laughs> I can't see Turner playing more than 125 games this year. But I think he'll have a real presence in that room and a needed presence in that room, especially in August and September, when A, guys are starting to drag in the dog days, and then B, when the push comes on for September in that pennant race. I think that's when it's that's when his presence is really going to be felt. You know, Arash, we've had lots of baseball experts from across uh, the country and the U.S. on the program for the last two, three weeks and always bring up Matt Chapman. I would say two, three weeks ago, it was like, yeah, maybe the Jays can get him back. Maybe he will come back to the Jays. Lately, it's getting less and less and less of a possibility. Where's your feeling on that? Well, I don't think he's coming back. Uh, I think the moment they signed Justin Turner, having already brought in Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, that ship sailed. I mean, there's nowhere for Chapman to play. You know, Bichette's your everyday shortstop. Uh, Guerrero's your everyday first baseman. There's going to be a revolving door between Kiner-Falefa and Santiago Espinal at second base. You have to make room for Kevin Biggio at some point. Mm-hmm. There, there's just... There's would not a spot in the roster would, for Matt Chapman say, at this point. Would you say, Rash, right now that IKF would play the bulk at third, though? I think Turner's playing the bulk at third. Hmm. Okay. You I, know? I think it could be IKF a little more than people think. Yeah, it could be. Now, here's, here's the thing about the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays value positional flexibility over so many other categories. They love Kevin Biggio. They love Biggio because they can slot him if need be, and they have already, at second, at third, at first, right field, and left. That's what they want. Kiner Falefa can play both second and third. I I just wonder, you give Justin Turner, what, 12 or $13 million, something like that this offseason? There are only so many DH bats to go around especially when you have Kirk and Jansen behind the plate, especially when George Springer is going to be needing days, Vlad's going to need a day here and there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I, hear where, I hear where your argument's coming from. Yeah. I just don't know where else Turner can actually play for them. Arash Madani with us on Sports 1440. Uh, would you say the biggest, and I don't know if wild card is the, the terminology, but with Alec Manoa, we know what he was a couple of years ago, but we know what he was last year. Uh, boy, if he could get anywhere close to where he was two years ago, this team has uh, probably the best pitching staff going forward in the American League East by far. No question. And I think pitching in general is the biggest question. Look, Manoa would be a massive boost for them. If he can be what he was in the second half of that 2022 season, going into Fenway Park, going into Yankee Stadium, a pivotal Orioles series in September after the bench is cleared and, and you know the big man just continuing to shove. If Manoa can be that for them, that's huge. But, Kevin, I think what's lost here is that we have to remember, for the first time in his career – Chris Bassett went pitched 200 innings. Mm-hmm. Can he repeat that? 
can Kevin Gosman stay healthy for an entire season? There's so you know we get so caught up in who's one through five in the rotation, when in reality you really need nine starting arms. So to me, it's Manoa for sure, and I think the other key thing that sometimes gets overlooked is the health of their catchers. Danny Jansen just hasn't been able to stay healthy for a full season. And when he is healthy, he's been productive. But can Jano stay healthy? What are you going to get from Kirk? Those, to me, are two other big, big you know, factors in the entire mix for the Jays this year. Mm-hmm. On the mound today, he's only going to throw one or two innings. Will it be, uh, you say, Kikuchi? What do you think? What kind of season do you think he'll have this year, Arash? I mean, it's hard to know because 22 was such a disaster. 23 was such a bounce back. If you can get closer to 23, and if he can eat up, I don't know, mm-hmm. 140 innings for you, 150 innings for you, I think that's a success. Yeah. Um, you know, he stayed in Toronto in the off season, which I think is interesting. Not a lot of players do, and he figured a lot out last winter. So if he can just eat innings for this team, that's the name of the game. Uh, one last one for you, Arash. I don't know if you – do you play fantasy football? I don't. Okay. But Tim Mesa does. and had yes. To... <laughs> yes, he does. So Not I don't well. know if, if our listeners caught it, but on Saturday that was the uh, – where he guess he had to – uh, receive his punishment for, for losing for the Blue Jays, I guess, inter-team fantasy football league, and he was the bat boy. That was that was pretty neat to watch, wasn't it? Well, Kevin, it was not just that he was the bat boy. Yeah. They gave him a jersey with 4-10 <laughs> written on the back, which was his record in fantasy football. <laughs> they teased the ones they liked the most, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, in 22, I remember being at spring training, and Ryan Barucki kind of called me over. And he said, did you hear what we did to Mesa yesterday? I said, what's that? And he said, Romano went to one of these, like, dollar stores, joke stores, <laughs> whatever, and they bought a fake scratch-and-win lottery ticket. Oh, no. And, and so Mesa scratches it and thinks he's won 50 grand, <laughs> and he's going crazy in the clubhouse thinking he's – $50,000 richer, oh, and then they all laughed at him. So he's the ones you like the most, right? Well, and those are glue guys, right? Well, they're glue guys, they're vets, but they're also late-inning guys. You know, Maze is getting the ball in leverage, but he's also the dude that everybody can talk to. He's also one of the more easygoing guys around. Mm-hmm. Um, guy from rural Pennsylvania. Funny how it takes all kinds, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, and what about a healthy Chad Green? Wow. Yeah. Can be big for, for all for the entire season, yeah. not just for half. Yeah, he will be big this year. Hey, Arash, can't thank you enough for uh, hopping on uh, last minute. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Enjoy. Are you going anywhere in the next little bit, travel wise, covering wise, or what? I'll actually be down in Dallas uh, next month when the men's national team and Alfonso Davies hopefully will be in the mix. They're trying to qualify for the Copa America, so that'll be the next. Big assignment on the docket. Perfect. Thanks, Arash. Talk soon. Thanks, Kevin. You got it. All right. That's Arash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet. And our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, uh, your top defense pairing against leaks. That's mrreuter.ca. I kind of was going to go with the top line like we did on Friday, Duke, with Mr. Reuter, with the uh, jalapeno popper pep, 
pepper-fueled game night. But we'll get to that. There's a rotation, right, Duke? There's a rotation on these things. So uh, when we come back, Selena Sturme, Team Alberta Skip from the Scotties Tournament of, Tournament of Hearts will join us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to talk a little curling in the Scotties Tournament of Hearts with Selena Sturme, skip of Team Alberta, who just had a phenomenal tournament in Calgary. Uh, Selena, welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for hopping on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, before we get to your uh, how your tournament and how the experience went, I'm sure you were watching last night and the final between Jennifer Jones and Rachel Holman, 5-4 for Holman. But, I mean, all eyes were on Jennifer for good reason. How much did you watch her growing up and how much did she mean to, I guess, the sport and as a whole uh, for her great career? Yeah, you know what? Uh, <laughs> ever since I can remember, uh, we always watched the Scotties, the Briar. Uh, growing up and uh, she was always one of the front runners uh, when I was growing up and watching so I definitely looked up to her uh, playing the game just you know how she leads her team uh, on the ice and then uh, it's kind of cool just transitioning into also playing her I think I've been playing her for the past couple years here so um, yeah just an absolute veteran of the game and uh, yeah definitely has impacted uh, the game in a lot of different ways. Did you ever take anything from her game? I mean, everyone says she's so aggressive in her play calling and game calling. Uh, did you take anything from her that you kind of employ? Yeah, do you know what? I think transitioning from juniors to women's uh, has helped me a lot uh, just watching her play. I uh, I still remember the first time I ever played her. We actually ended up winning Hammer and... Uh, so in the first end, she threw uh, double center guards against me, and I was just, I was kind of thrown off with that aggression. But um, yeah, she she definitely is a very aggressive uh, a person when it comes to her style of play, and uh, I think uh, I've definitely adopted some of that as I've. Uh, continued in my women's career a little bit. Mm-hmm. Selena Sturme, our guest on Sports 1440. So your Scotty's experience, you actually ended up playing Jennifer in the 1-2 qualifier game, but let's go, let's rewind a little bit. And the round robin, and we had your coach Ted Appleman on last week, and he was talking about how the team as a whole just sort of kind of gained confidence from draw to draw to draw. Just uh, what did you feel like your your experience was during the round robin? Yeah, uh, I think uh, it's kind of been a little bit of uh, just climbing every weekend with this team. Uh, We are a new team, and I I do truly believe that every weekend we've played, we've gotten better, we've learned something, and we have been able to uh, apply that uh, into into games. So uh, I'm not sure if it really just was uh, by fluke (laughs) that we were playing well at the Scotties, but... Um, I think just we've had a really good season. Uh, We understand each other. And um, at the end of the day, uh, we were just able to continue our success from the season forward into uh, the Scotties. What do you think it was that, I guess, the cohesiveness? Why is the team kind of coming together? And, you know, at this time when, you know, obviously this was the, the big part of the season for you, but even prior with the slams and things like that, why do you think this this team is kind of gelling right now, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think it's uh, that was one of our goals going into the season. Um, you know, we wanted to be able to be the best teammates for each other. I think uh, 
Also, just the fact that we're in similar life stages right now. We're all very close in age. Uh, we're able to relate to each other kind of on and off the ice. Um, but at the end of the day, all of us are also just really good friends with each other. And I think that does go a long way. Um, and you see it really on the, on the ice as well. Uh, we're able to know what each other are thinking without necessarily having to say it. So, um, yeah, I think just, uh, just our personalities just mesh really well together. Mm -hmm. Your journey has been, uh, you know, you went to the worlds in 2019 in Liverpool, won a silver. So that's, you're not that far removed from, from junior, it seems, but, uh, when you kind of thought how this team would be put together what were some of the I guess you know you want that chemistry but everyone's got to throw the rocks well but how did you come about to put everything together yeah um coming into this season uh we kind of just wanted to not necessarily play a lot, but um, just make every weekend count. Uh, a lot of the time you put together teams and you just want to play a lot and, ca- and chase those points. And uh, sometimes in the end, it's a little bit too much. So I think for us, it was just uh, sitting down and finding that, that work-life balance, what works between everybody. And uh, I think we managed to do that this year. We were successful in most of our weekends. So, um yeah, I think uh, for us, it was just finding that, that work-life balance and kind of keeping everybody happy on and off ice. Selena Sturmey, our guest on Sports 1440. So let's go back to the Scotties and, in fact, how the uh, week went when you came out and, and the one 2 qualifying game. Just to touch on the, the game against Jennifer Jones, it was an 8-4 victory for Jones, but just to run us through that uh, and, and talk about the... And it's great to have to be a, the nervous excitement. That's every athlete has to have it. But how how were you feeling going into that game? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd lie. I'd be lying if I said that the, there was no nerves. Um, you know, making it to the Scotties and then making it into a, a one-two page playoff game or or qualifier game uh, is something that uh, <laughs> is all new to me. So. Yeah. Uh, to say that there was no nerves, I, I would be lying. But um, I think at the end of the day, uh, we just really needed to make more shots that game. Uh, Jennifer Jones' team was playing really well. They had their draw weight figured out. And, uh, yeah, our team and myself, we just uh, struggled that first half of the game to nail down draw weight and didn't end up capitalizing on mm-hmm. their misses, which I think, unfortunately, was just the difference in that game. And then how proud of you, uh, proud were you of your team when you came back and beat Caitlin Laws uh, to continue on, to move on, to and, and actually kind of like rebound, if you want to call it that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a huge rebound game for us. Um, we really just knew what we had to do. We had to make more shots and get our draw weight early, which um, we did. I'm just incredibly proud of this team uh, as a first-year team together and the success that we've reached. Um, it's just, we have full props to them uh, for for grinding it out this week. And in the end, we were uh, able to get that win. Mm-hmm. So then you, after the win over Laws, you, you play Kate Cameron. You had a lot of opportunities in that game to, um, you know, score more points and, and make some shots. So was it just one of those games where just a little bit off on the ice, a little bit off on, on the, the weight and, and the line? Uh, just give us, give us your assessment of that game with Kate Cameron. Yeah, Kate Cameron's team played really well. Uh, I unfortunately did not have my best game. Uh, it seemed like no matter what I did, uh, <laughs> I just couldn't make a shot. So uh, the girls played amazing that game as well. It was unfortunately probably just uh, 
just me who ended up <laughs> losing yeah. that game. I missed a couple shots that I shouldn't have. So um, at the end of the day, though, Kate Cameron's team did play really, really well, and they were uh, deserving of that win in the end. Well, I, I think the whole province is very proud of what you accomplished and what the rink accomplished. Uh, Selena, don't sell yourself short because uh, to be on a stage like this for the first time, it's uh, not exactly an easy situation, but I think you guys all handle it uh, very, very well. So I think the whole province is, is very proud of you. So where do you go from now, I guess, for the remainder of this year? And then they always talk about Olympic cycles and things like that. So just give us a little uh, touch on where you're you're kind of situated moving forward here yeah so we don't really i don't believe we have any events for the remainder of the season uh this team is sticking together for uh the next couple seasons so kind of based on where we're sitting right now we should almost have a guaranteed spot in the pre-trials which will be held in nova scotia i think in the fall of 2025 um if we continue to do well um and kind of stick where we are in the the CTRS rankings um, or even climb, we should, uh, it would be very close for us to have a spot just into the uh, Olympic trials. So, um, yeah, just trying to, I guess, chase more points this next season and see if we can sneak a spot in the trials. So some teams uh, in curling are full-time curlers, some, uh, you know, are half and half. So where do you and Danielle and Desiree and Paige, uh, how do you kind of balance and what's everybody do? Give our listeners just a little kind of rundown and overview of your rink. Yeah, so unfortunately, uh, all of us do have full-time jobs. Um, Just being the the age and stage that we are in life right now, uh, we're trying to launch our careers as well. So myself, um, I am a registered nurse. I work at Stollery Children's Hospital uh, pretty much full-time when I'm not curling. (laughs) And then Danielle Schmiemann, my third, she is an acupuncturist. She just finished uh, that degree a couple years ago, so now she's working full-time uh, as an acupuncturist out of Spruce Grove. Uh, Des is, she recently moved to Calgary um, and she's working at the MNP office downtown there. That's also pretty much full-time that she does that. And then our lead, Paige Papley, um, she works with Curling Alberta. Um, she does a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with like the 50-50s, uh, also with uh, all of the competitions that Curling Alberta runs. So, yeah, all of us definitely have full-time jobs. <laughs> you have <laughs> We're to. Not yeah, you have to. It's such a and it's such a balance for you in particular, Selena. How do you, how do you balance being like a nurse full-time and then, you know, trying to, you know, practice and and try to throw as many rocks as you can and go to all the the slams and things like that? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely tough. Um for me working shift work, I guess <laughs> it's kind of a double-edged sword. It makes it easier but more challenging um there is option to work night shifts so unfortunately i do end up working um a lot of night shifts but for me i think the uh <laughs> the secret <laughs> recipe is just to make uh every moment count if i have half an hour an hour in my day to go throw rocks that's just what i need to do uh, um but i think also just being present during that time uh, with being this busy mentally, you can get exhausted and fatigued quite quickly. So I think it's just finding that right balance, what works for me, um, and just being present in the, the time that I have uh, when I'm on the ice practicing. Oh, it's just uh, so amazing how you can, uh, you know, again, handle everything and, and be able to, to do a full-time job. And, uh, you know, you think back where 
you know, we've had Randy Furby on, Marcel Rock on, and they were talking about how they were kind of some of the earlier earliest teams to kind of go into the the full time realm of it. What about all your great sponsors that help you out along the way here? Yeah, for sure. Without our sponsors, uh, you know, we wouldn't <laughs> we yeah. wouldn't have the means to uh, go and travel and play as much. Uh, some of our top sponsors are Earth Drilling. Uh, they're a company based out of Calgary. They've been very generous with us. Back 40 Distillery out of Camrose. Um, they've also been Team Sturmay supporters for a couple of years now, so I just can't say enough thank you to, to, to both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, without their support, it definitely wouldn't, wouldn't be as easy for us to do what we do. Well, really appreciate you coming on, uh, Selena. I texted you last night, and you said, yeah, absolutely. So uh, really, thanks for coming on kind of shorter notice. Uh, we wish you guys the best of uh, good fortune here in the next little bit. A uh, young, up-and-coming team, and I'm sure uh, when you look at um, – it's not a changing of the guard. There's so many great young teams in curling, but you are one of them. So uh, thanks for coming on, and we wish you all the best in the, in the future in the sport. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. All right, that's Selena Sturmey, Team Alberta Skip. Uh, a very strong showing at the first Scotties. And, uh, you know, it's tough when you think you've got, you know, you got the crowd. The ice has been changing there. It changed all week. Skips and uh, teams were having trouble reading and they missed inside, outside. Weight was a little off. Uh, they were kind of junking it up a little bit at times it seemed but uh, good showing by Selena Sturmey and Team Alberta. When we come back Lori Ann Munzer, Olympic gold medalist, will check in uh, and we'll elevate our game with Lori Ann. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.